You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at harvestniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, Harvest. Hope you guys have had a great week. Um, For those who don't know me, uh, if you're visiting with us, my name is Andy Hoffman. I'm the pastor of students and young adults here at Harvest. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And as you go there, if your testimony is anything like mine, uh, I grew up in the church. I think I was one of those kids where, like, from the nursery, I was, like, singing hymns, right? It was, uh, I was growing up in the church, and, and quickly on, we hear this battle between good and evil, God and and the devil. And even if you didn't grow up in church, if you have been a part of a church family for any amount of time, or maybe even not, we kind of get the sense that there's a battle in this world of good versus evil. And so we're going to, in the next three weeks, we're going to walk through this series, whatever you want to call it, called Armored. Because a lot of us know that there's a reality of spiritual warfare And we'll acknowledge that there's an enemy, but yet we often forget how to fight against the enemy or we feel ill-equipped to fight against the enemy. And, uh, um, you know, when we think about good and evil, like sometimes we we get this picture of like, you know, the angel on one side and like the devil on the other. You guys remember those cartoons, right? Uh, Or, I I don't know, it's it's an old 80s movie where there's like a a preacher and he's like, you got devil, take away the D, you got evil, right? It's one of those. And, And that's what we think about the devil and we think about, you know, these things of spiritual warfare. You think about a guy with a pitchfork, you know, screaming, ah! on one side and you think about the angel on the other side he's like don't do that that's not right right and so often that's what our 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 mental image of spiritual warfare is maybe not for you maybe it's just me and my weird mind right um but that's the image that we get about spiritual warfare too often we go in thinking with a cartoon mind with a severe reality that we deal with and so i don't i don't know where you are in this moment maybe um You are someone who's dealing with spiritual warfare right now. Maybe you're someone who has no idea what that feels like. Maybe you're someone who is just coming out of spiritual warfare and you finally get a sense of relief. Maybe you're going into it and you're starting to feel the enemy just kind of cramp down on your heart and your soul. Wherever you are in in, in that spectrum, I pray that over the next three weeks that God will just give you the mind, the heart, and the tools to be able to fight against the evil one. So uh, Ephesians chapter 6 um, is where we're going to start this, this series, and, and many of you guys are like, oh yeah, I've heard this before. Um, but if we don't start at a place where Paul immediately addresses spiritual warfare, there's no other place to start. And so he says this, verse 10, chapter 6, verse 10 says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand an evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. And having put on the, ble- uh, the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish the, all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and all supplication, and to that end, keep alert with perseverance, making supplication for the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray together. Father God, Lord, we love you. And God, as we, we wrestle with these texts, God, to talk about spiritual warfare, God, we know that we have an enemy right now that is screaming because we're, we're talking about these things. We have an enemy that's going to come at us full throttle because we're talking about these things because he does not want God's people to be able to stand firm in Christ. So God, I pray as as we look at this text and and the text of the next several weeks, God, I pray that you would just give us eyes to see and ears to hear the beauty of Christ in it all. I pray that you would give us the armor to battle well and God to come out the battle on the other side. Lord, we love you and we give you this time. In Christ's name we pray. 
Amen. Now, spiritual warfare isn't, uh, isn't something, you know, like, like I said, I grew up and I know the good versus evil, but until you really experience spiritual warfare, you, you, you have a very loose understanding of what that is, right? So for me, 10 years, I can't believe it's 10 years ago, right? Back in 2008, uh, I really got into apologetics and I was at the Baptist College of Florida um, and we uh, I took a part of a class called Defend the Faith, which is in New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, obviously in New Orleans, uh, or Nolens, I guess as everyone says, right? New Orleans, uh, Louisiana. And, um, you know, and part of, part of this class, they kind of took us around to the, to the different areas. And if you've ever been to, Saint, uh, to, to New Orleans, you know kind of where I'm going. Um, but there's this uh, huge cathedral in the French Quarter so called the St. Louis Cathedral. You walk in and this, this beautiful stained glass and, and, and this, this massive structure and you're, it's so beautiful and like without a mic you could say a word and it carries for like six seconds. It's amazing. On the inside it's so beautiful and, and you're like, man, you, you see the inscriptions of the scriptures and, and you see the liturgy on the walls and then you turn outside and you walk out these big wooden doors into this massive courtyard. And on the courtyard of this massive cathedral that now serves as a museum in many ways, you have fortune tellers, you have tarot card readers, you have spiritual mediums that are all throughout this courtyard. And so for me, I walked up, you know, in my overzealous, you know, like, rah, rah, right, apologetics. I walked up and we started engaging with this guy in the gospel conversation. Um, and he had his head down almost the entire time and he was mumbling a little bit and, and like we, we'd say like, you know, so you're outside of a church, kind of what, what do you think about this? He started like, like growling at us a little bit. I was like, this is kind of weird. Like I said, he had his head down the entire time and towards the end of the conversation, he looked square up at me. We met eye to eye and it was the creepiest thing ever because his eyes were black if you ever like in those moments where you see, you're like, Bleh. that was that moment for me. All right, like he like no like no pupils, no like you couldn't. It was just black and, it, and like ah, it was creepy. But then we started talking about spiritual warfare and the realities of spiritual warfare. But we realized, and, <laughs> man, spiritual warfare like doesn't wait for us to, to sit around. Like it's it's sitting at the footsteps of the church. Amen. It's sitting there waiting for us. And so right when you walk out, it's in our face, twenty four seven. And so Paul, we, we go back to this scripture, we're like, how do we battle well against this? So we look back, verse 10, it says this, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Finally, right? Finally, like, I, I love what Francis Chan says, like, this isn't like some professor with sentiment going like, all right, class, now finally, my last point. No, what he's saying is finally, like, this is a battle cry. Like, at last, like, in the end, right, chapter 1, what's, what's chapter 1 in, in, in Ephesians, the same letter actually says, says, we have the immeasurable greatness of his power to those who believe. Like, the church, we have immeasurable greatness to his power to those who believe. We already know that from the beginning, it's already a spiritual battle. And we see that this Paul says, finally. Well, why does he say, finally? Because, because this letter doesn't, is not talking about spiritual warfare the entire way through, but he's preparing us. He's giving us instruction to, to precede the battle. Look with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. He said, if you were at prayer and praise this past weekend, uh, this past Wednesday, you know exactly what we prayed out of, and there's a reason why we prayed out of that passage, because this is the passage that we're looking at. It says, for this reason, for what reason? For the reason that the mystery of the gospel has been revealed and that hearts have been enlightened and that we have immeasurable power through his presence and through his power, right? For, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in all your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know that the love of Christ surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Paul is already setting that it is a spiritual battle in our lives. Paul is already setting that there is something else going on beyond the things we can see. See, this finally, church, we have to get to a place like in Christ, we are made new. 
We're saved through, through his grace. We are made to, to walk in love, to, to be for one another and to care for one another and to, to unite with one another, to be unified. Paul prays that for our spiritual strength. 3 verse 20 is what, what hits it all. Now to him, not to us, now, not to him, who? To Christ, to, to Christ our, our, our salvation, not to him who was able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think. Look, according to the power at work within us. Not due to us, not because of us, but within us. That the Spirit works within us. So now we get to this place, now finally, 6 verse 10, now finally, be strong in the Lord. This is the reality of the battle. This is the reality of the battle of which we fight. It's not about us, it's about God. So often we, we miss that. Right? We, we think like Paul's just kind of like kind of concluding this letter of just like, well, right, well finally, like, this is the last thing I really want to tell you. But really what he's saying is that all of this, like he knew what was at stake. Since Paul knew that there was a, a spiritual battle, he urged believers to walk in a manner worthy of Christ. That's one of the first things he says in chapter four, verse one. He says, therefore, walk in a manner worthy of Christ. Because you have the battle already won in Christ, because you are a new creation in Christ, all these, all these letters begin to kind of tie into one another. All this has been revealed. And we look at verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord. The power we have comes from God is all his. Look, church, this, this, the battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. That's the first thing we need to understand when we're dealing with spiritual warfare. That's the first thing we need to know in order to, to walk out with our armors completely secured is knowing that the battle is not ours to fight. It is the Lord's. And until we get to that place, the battle is so often lost. We can do so much. We can, we can say the right things, but until we realize that the battle is the Lord's, then we've kind of already missed the ship. And in order to do this, first things first, you have to have a relationship with him. I, I am not in under any delusion that everyone in this room is, is a follower of Jesus. Some of you are here because, well, maybe for students, maybe your parents are forcing you to be here. Or maybe you just kind of shown up, or, or this is just kind of something that your family has done, and you just kind of show up in church, and you're like, yeah, that's what I do on Sunday mornings. I go to church. But we've never understood the gravity of the gospel of, of God working in us. Be strong in the Lord, the power is God's, it is not ours. And in order to do this, we must have a relationship with him. And, and I want you to know this, be strong. Look at these words when we be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his mind. If you write in your Bible, circle those two ins. Because it is not because of. It doesn't say be strong because of the Lord. It doesn't say be, uh, be because the strength of his mind. It doesn't say that. It says be in Guys, we fight from a place of victory. We just sang that song. We're singing in the victory, the victory of the cross. And, and so often, like, we, we will sing those words and we'll say those words, but our hearts so often don't mean those words. Or we'll say, like, reality, practically, I know that's true, but then our lives and our, everything else doesn't reflect that truth, and we get wrapped up in it. Because of Christ. We, we are in his strength, not because of Christ, right? And, and we, we, we go these things, right? And, and we, we process differently when things are because and when things are in. It's like my, if, you know, that, that very typical, like, if your kids ever get into an argument and then they start trying to one-up one another and they're like, well, my dad can beat up your dad, right? And then it's like, well, my dad can beat up your dad. And that's, this is kind of the, the goes back and forth, right? Well, if my son ever said that, first of all, he, he would be in trouble, right? No, because I don't want to end up fighting anyone because I'll probably end up losing, right? But if, if my son said that, he would be saying that because he thinks he finds strength in me, not because he has my strength. There's a difference. Do we see that? He would say, like, because my dad is strong, I can tell you that he's going to beat your dad up. He's not going, I'm strong as my dad, so therefore I'm going to beat you up. And there's like a difference 
And church, I know like these little, we don't want to get caught in minutia, but like church, that's a huge thing to get wrapped up in because too many of us are like, I'm strong because of Christ. And we forget that we're strong because we're in Christ. And so what does it mean to, to be strong in the Lord practically? Like, what does that, like, we say that, but what does that look like, you know? And too often we think that this strength is in how long we've been a Christian or how many verses we know or how much theology we know and how much we can talk down our opponent. You know, but then we think about the other side. Like, we're no, we know we're, we're to rejoice in the Lord always. Paul even says in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say what? Rejoice. rejoice. But often our hearts don't want to rejoice. I mean, let's be real. Who, who walks around going like, I'm rejoicing in the Lord today? Yeah, sometimes, but we, we get so stuck. And like, you know, and the reality is like we, we, we know that we're to rejoice in the Lord and we know to be, we're, we're finding to find strength in the Lord, but what happens is we fake it and we try to get everyone to think that we're okay or we will ourselves into thinking that we're okay. We put ourselves in a place of being strong and maybe that we look strong and maybe we actually feel strong, but that's on the outside because it's a facade. We need to be okay with letting God be God in these situations. We need to be okay with saying, God, I surrender to you. I have no idea what's going on, God. I know I don't have the strength to deal with this battle, God, but only you can get me through because I know this battle is yours. My strength isn't because of you. My strength is in you because in Christ we have victory. When we, when we respond to Christ, we have his righteousness. We have his strength. We forget that. We're like, God, I hope that you'll help me out here. He, what are you talking about? You hope he'll help you out. If you're in Christ, man, you have his power. And be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We, church, please don't forget that. You're not strong only because of Christ. But you're strong because you are in Christ. And if you're in Christ, you have his power. You have his righteousness. And Paul goes on in verse 11 and he says this, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. <laughs> the schemes of the devil. Church, can we admit that we have a crafty enemy? And I wanna kind of put a caveat on this, Right? I'm not one of those people, and I hope you're not either, that every time someone sneezes, that's the devil. I, I hope you're not one of those, like, you know, every, every time something ha bad happens, like every bad day or every flat tire or every power outage, like that's not necessarily of the devil, right? Pastor David was showing me a video from, from a while back, and uh, he was in the middle of coming out of a song, and he's like, say, I forget what it was, and he said, say something, and when you guys said it, the power went out and then it restarted, like, that's called a power grid failing. I mean, I don't, it came back on, it didn't stop our service, it didn't stop our worship, right? You know, and it's one like, I'm not, I'm not someone who's gonna be like, yes, that, that's, you know, everything's of the devil, but the reality is like, we have the battle to deal with, right? We, we, we get stuck in that, we have a crafty enemy. There's a reality to the enemy that we must know. And here's the first thing, the devil fights hard, because he knows he's going to lose. I mean, do we really think that the enemy is blinded to reading our scriptures? Do we think that the enemy is blinded to the fact that he knows he's already lost? What does a losing enemy do? They swing, and on the way down, they try to take down everything that they can. They break as much as they can before they get thrown out. This is like, like when, a, at least, I don't know about here, but in the States, when your house gets foreclosed on, when you're like, your realtor, the first thing you say, oh, this house is a great price. It's you know, whatever price it is, and you're like, that's amazing, but it's a foreclosure, and you go, oh, right? Andrew and I, back in the States, when we first moved to Virginia, we, our house was on a foreclosure, and my realtor was like, oh, it's a foreclosure, and we're like, oh, great. We walked in, excellent price. We walked in, I'm like, all right, so now I need to put up a chandelier, and I need to fix all the lighting, and I need to get all the plumbing redone, right? Because, like, what happened? They went through, and they just ripped everything out. Like, the losing enemy so often knows, and that's what they do. 
Right? And that's exactly what, what our enemy is doing. We know that he is crafty. Church, like 1 Peter 5.8 says what? We have an enemy who roars around, or who goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. Like, he doesn't want us to fight against him. He want, he'd rather eat us. And, and that's the truth. Like, he, there's a reason. He is called accuser, an adversary, and deceiver, an enemy, an evil one, and father of lies, and, and God of this age, and ruler of the darkness, and ruler of demons. Like, those are just some of the names that are used for him in Scripture. If we don't think we actually have an enemy, we deceive ourselves. Too many of us say we know we have an enemy, but our lives say we don't. Do we engage the enemy by getting on our knees before the Lord? Do we? Do we pray that God would sustain us? Do we ask the Lord who we have strength in to protect us and persevere us? Do we, do we have that? We have a crafty enemy church. There's a reason that when we're trying to get our relationship right with God, it isn't easy. That, uh, that when we follow him, life actually gets kind of hard. That out of nowhere, a crippling depression will hit or anxiety will stop us in our tracks. Like there's times where we second guess the goodnesses and promises of God. That when we find ourselves in sin patterns that we can't seem to find victory because the last thing we want to do is go to God about them. We can't seem to find victory or freedom from them. There's a reason why we struggle to pray. I don't know about you, but for me, when I know that I'm not walking the way that Christ has called me to walk, that when I'm not living in a manner worthy of the gospel, the last thing I want to do is go to the very person who I'm supposed to be worshiping and, and talk to them. It's just kind of like, it's not even like you, your heart just goes, I really don't want to right now. I'm okay. Like, I'm okay just dealing this by myself. I'm okay with just kind of being alone. Like, I, you know, or you just feel so guilt-ridden. You're like, God doesn't want me to come to him right now, but he does. And we, we need God's armor, right? Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. We need this armor of God if we're going to fight the enemy. Too many of us have tried to do it on our own, and we fail. And we end up uh, as someone who's stuck in their stubbornness and who's stuck in their, in their pride, and we end up another broken victim. And then we turn around again and say, God, where are you in all of this? The devil will have you thinking that you don't need God, that God doesn't need you. Is God even real? God's too good for you, and you will never live up to his standard. <laughs> Oops, you screwed up again. Sometimes you'll have all those thoughts every different day, but sometimes you'll have those thoughts back to back to back to back to back in the same day. That is the craftiness of our enemy. There's a reason, again, why he is called the accuser, the adversary, the enemy, the evil. There's a reason why scripture says he is a roaring lion seeking who he can devour because he is crafty and he wants to stop you in your tracks from pursuing Christ. The more effective you are for the kingdom of Christ, the less power he wields against the kingdom of Christ. Now ultimately, we, we know that, that no power will go against Christ. We, we know that nothing will overtake that. But church, we have to Follow Christ. I mean, this, this isn't like, uh, Paul isn't like, huh, Eureka, I have it, finally. Be, be, uh, find strength in the Lord. No, 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 there's a reason why the enemy is called crafty. There's a reason why I picked that word crafty because in Genesis 3, what's it say? The serpent was the most crafty. Right? His, his war on humanity started there making us question the goodness of God. Did he really say? Did, did God really say, don't do this? Did God really say that if you do this, you'll be like him? Did God really say, and then it goes to our lives, like did God really say that he's gonna protect you? Did God really say he's gonna save you? Did God really say that, that it's all gonna be okay? Right? Did, all, did God really say? Those are the schemes of the devil. And when we neglect to put on the whole armor of God, that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, when we neglect to put on that armor, that, man, it, it hits us. Real time and in real life, it hits us. 
And then we start thinking things that we never thought that we would think about the goodness of God. We, we start questioning things that we thought that we would never question about God. He, he deceives us and we follow him willingly. Put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the, the schemes of the devil. And he continues on, verse 12, he says this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, present darkness, like now, against the spiritual forces of the heavenly places. We do not wrestle against, right? So, so flesh and blood, right? So we think about flesh and blood. Um, church, there's no way around. Like, it is, like, we, I think you understand this, like, we are in an unredemptive body, right? We know that at the end of all things that we'll receive glorification of our bodies. Right now, this is a shell of who we are. It is broken. It is susceptible to sickness and death. Like, that is the flesh and blood, right? So for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, this, this unredemptive body that wars against the spirit. But I read the rest of that, like, so I don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic rulers of this, or powers of this present age, against the spiritual forces of, of the heavenly places. And this can be terrifying. We battle an enemy we can't even see. We see the effects, but too often when we see the effects is when we realize we're seeing the, the battle. When we see the effects is when we realize that we're seeing the enemy. You know, I, I, I love to read sometimes some books more than others. You know, uh, I love reading C.S. Lewis, one of the best Christian thinkers and philosophers of our day. And he had a book called The Screw Tape Letters. Has anyone read it? We have Wormwood, right? And there's a, I, I don't remember exactly where it is. This is just one of those parts in the book that has just stuck with me so well. Um, that this man starts thinking about God and that he needs to solidify his relationship with God. And so um, as, as Wormwood and, and the other one are having this conversation, he's like, oh, what did you do? What did you do? And he goes, I gave him some pressing tasks. You can kill more of them through distraction than you can with doubt. Like, that was one line of a book that just stuck with my heart so often that, like, you know, we get so distracted, maybe by doing good things, but we, we neglect the, the, the God things that, he, that God would call us to do, and, and we get distracted, and, and we look at this, right? So we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against the rulers, the authorities, against the spiritual powers, all these different things, and so, like, we, so often, like, things like spiritual warfare can be the distractions that we know are in our lives that we need to cut out, but we refuse to cut out because we're afraid if that distraction isn't there, then we won't know what to do. If this isn't there, God, what am I going to do with my time? Well, if this distraction isn't there, God, then what am I going to do in general? And we have these, these distractions. And Paul breaks this down like, look, like that's one thing, like one, one way that we wrestle against the cosmic powers. And it's just like that, that whole book is about how, how the demons can bring down humanity, that they can pull a veil over our eyes, that they can blind us, that we would not see the goodness of God, but that we, we get so worried about everything else. Paul is saying that, that we are battling and we're intensely battling with the spiritual realities of this world, but also to the, what we cannot see. And the devil is so cunning and crafty that he operates in both the physical and the spiritual realms, all of which are working to try to destroy the kingdom of God, all of which are working to pull us away from God's goodness, all of which are working that it would just completely devour our lives to make us not do anything to incapacitate the church from moving. In church, we buy into it. We buy into it. You don't understand, but I'm doing good things good. But are you pursuing Christ? You don't understand, I'm too busy. Scheme of the devil. 
You don't, you don't understand, like I have so much going on, like I don't even have time to pray. Do you drive in your car? I look like a lunatic half the time driving down the road because they're thinking I'm talking to myself. <laughs> they pull up, they're like, hey, right? Uh, like, we, we say we don't have time for all these things, but like even in the midst of when we do have time, instead of just shutting off the radio in our car and just like crying out to God, Instead of like just being on, like we sit on our, our phones for social media, we'll just sit in our rooms or on our couches and just sit there and scroll. And so it's like Instagram, do, 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 Twitter, do, 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 right? We go the whole way through and then when we get to the last social media thing, what do we do? Go back to the first one because we might have missed something. Like I'm not saying social media is of the devil, but it is a good way to distract the church. And we, we fight against that. When we're dri- like I said, like when we're driving, like anything else, like we need to find ways to take the distraction out. We need to find ways to fight back against the schemes of, of the devil. John MacArthur said something really interesting on this. Um, Since God controls all things, does God allow believers to deal with the spiritual warfare and the spiritual battle? Does he allow the enemy, i got to be very careful how I say this, right? Does God allow the enemy to have an influence in the life of the believer? His ultimate answer was he believes yes. Because we believe that God allows all things, right? But it's under, it's, here's the thing, we have to think about this clearly. If God allows it, but it's still under his authority. And, and the three things he points out, he's like, yep, Peter, you don't think there was a spiritual, uh, a spiritual force working in him when he would deny the Christ three times? Do you not think that there's spiritual forces when Job was completely just losing everything? Do we not think it was a spiritual force when, when Paul had a thorn in his flesh? But all of those things, right? Even Peter, Job, Paul, I'm sure we can name, name other ones, right? Though they had we're being affected by this darkness. What happened? The saving faith was never broken that they would become a more pure worshiper of God. And so when we fight the battle, it doesn't mean that we're gonna avoid the battle. When we, when we go against the schemes of the devil, it doesn't mean that we're gonna avoid the schemes of the devil. But it means that we can stand firm against them, that we can come out unscathed on their side and hopefully that as believers we will have a more pure understanding and worship of our one true living God. If you want to turn there, you can, but 2 Corinthians chapter 4, when we start talking about knowing the enemy... What I'm about to say might ruffle some feathers. I'm just, uh, just as a caveat and a heads up. Paul's talking about the light of the gospel. Just verse four, chapter one says this, or sorry, chapter four, verse one says this. Therefore, having the ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we've renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to anyone's conscience in the sight of God. Here's, where we want to hit at, verse three. And even if, and even if, our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, the God of this world, so the enemy, the devil, has blinded the minds of the believers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Verse five, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in the hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. This is true with the same gospel that we share. And the gospel is a spiritual battle. So when we speak the gospel to someone, we engage in the enemy's kingdom because it is the God of this age that has blinded them, that has put the veil in their eyes. And it's up to God to remove that veil from them. But he uses us, his church, his people, to go out and speak that truth that they might see the light shine in the darkness and that veil be removed. Church, we have to remember 
But people are not the enemy. It's the enemy that has blinded them. It's the enemy that has veiled their eyes. He is the true enemy. People are not the enemy. So when people are being difficult to you, or hostile to you, or indignant to you, they're not the enemy. They're being used by the enemy in that moment. And when we begin to understand that we can, we can begin to see them differently. The one person at work that you keep on sharing the gospel to and they keep on telling you how crazy you are, they're not your enemy. Here's the, where I said I might step on some toes. People wrapped up within things like LGBT or wrapped up in the, the pro-choice and, and the things that the church stands against, they are not your enemy. It is the enemy that has blinded their eyes to the truth is the enemy. And the quicker we stop treating other people like the enemy and realize that the battle is the Lord's and we are waging war against one enemy, it changes your perspective. The present darkness gives light, or it gives way to light. And we are to to stand firm. One of the, the, the biggest schemes of the devil in his ways, the things that we wrestle with are those very things. And I, I, again, I'm still getting used to Canadian politics and stuff, but man, like, if you, if you follow American news, <laughs> I swear to you, the church might be one of the only places left where red and blue can come together for a common purpose. And we look at that and we see all the junk on the news and we see all the political divides and we even see it beginning to wedge within the church and then we begin to see each other as the enemy and not the enemy as the enemy. Then we begin to tear one another down and then it comes into the church and the church begins to collapse because gossip and slander begin to reign and then all these different things begin to happen. And then we begin to say, like, I can't worship with you because, and we fill in some tertiary reason about why we can't worship with somebody. We try to find a way just to separate so we can kind of be isolated in our own little view, in our own little way, realizing that other people are the enemy, and I'm the only one that has the one real solution. And then pride sinks in. And then it it kind of just just weighs in our stubbornness and and, and our our arrogance and all these different things, and then then we're, we're right back here. Our armor is on the floor. We might find a shin guard and a shoe in there somewhere. And it's just, it's it's that. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now that last line completely messes me up. (laughs) I don't know about you, right? The, in the heavenly places, right? I'm thinking like, wait, so what's going on here? But we realize going back that it's under the authority and the umbrella of God who allows it to reign. We, we, we need to, to know the enemy, but more importantly, church, we need to know the Lord. It's important to know the enemy, but we need to know the Lord. One of the, the people that has given me the most insight and has had the most influence in my life about things of spiritual warfare is, is a man named Chuck Lawless. He is one of my professors at Southeastern Seminary in Wake Forest. He's become a dear friend of me, and he says that spiritual warfare is not about knowing the devil. It's about knowing God. I love that line. I absolutely love that line. Like, yeah, is it important that we know the enemy? Absolutely, and he would never disagree with what I just said there. But so often we make spiritual warfare about knowing the schemes of the devil and less about knowing the presence of God. That, that we, we know God and, and we know his character, we know his promises, we know his assurances, we know his, his mercy. And those are the things that are going to sustain us in the end. So that's, you know, looking at verse 13, therefore, well, therefore what? Because of what? Because we have dealing with the schemes of the enemy, because we deal with all these spiritual realities, therefore take up the whole armor of God. Again, this is the second time he's told us to put it on and take up the whole armor of God that you would be able to withstand in the evil day. I want you to realize that that's a sandwich, right? He's, Paul says, put on the armor of God. The devil is real. Put on the armor of God. It's kind of a reminder 
I'm one of those people that I get, and this is, this is not a good thing, right? But I'm one of those people to where like, I get kind of irritated after I get told the same thing two or three times in a row. Because I'm like, I understand you. But so often, I need that because I, I hear it, then I forget it, and then they tell me again, and I get irritated, but then I realize that I forgot what they said anyway. Like, that's my own, like, sinfulness right there. And, like, this is, this is why Paul is saying that. Like, put on the whole armor of God. We have spiritual realities and spiritual battles that we fight with. Put on the armor of God. Take it up that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And this is an imperative thing that we do. We cannot take on the enemy by ourselves. Hey, I kind of think about it this way. Like, too often, I, I, I get this picture of, of David and Goliath. Right? When we look at 1 Samuel and, and we kind of know the story. Like, they're like, all right, David, you agreed to fight the giant. Come into the tent. Let's put in all the armor on you. And they said it weighed too much and it was too big because it wasn't really fitted for him. And what did he do? He's like, I don't need the armor. Just give me a sling and some rocks. And then he stood there and with a sling, slung it and whew, let the rock fly and hit the giant in the middle of the forehead and he fell to the ground and everyone went, hooray! Now for us, that's what we think our battle and our spiritual warfare would look like. We're like, you know what? I know it's just to put on the full armor of God, but it's just too big. It's too bulky. I just really understand it. I don't need it anyway. You know what? In faith, God, give me a sling and a rock. But what happens to us is as we're like walking out to the enemy, we start shaking, we start fumbling all of our rocks. And then they're on the ground and we go lean to pick it up and then we kick it. And it kind of, kind of becomes like we're kicking it down the, down the dirt path here. And then finally we, we realize that we hit some feet and we look up and there's the giant going, hello. That's what more of our battle would look like. But I had faith in God, good. Man, like faith in Christ is imperative. But we can't battle without the armor God has clearly given us. I think we could all admit like David was a special case, Right? And I know we're all taught in school that you're special too. <laughs> but, but maybe not in this way. Right? Maybe not in this way. See, we, we go into the battle unarmed. We're thinking we're going to be like David. And it doesn't turn out the same way for David. That it turned out for us. And this is saying we've been given this armor and it's not a suggestion, but it's a reality and a need when we fight the schemes of the devil. We are to stand firm in the face of these schemes and a lot of times of his purposes. God has a purpose for the battles that he allows us to fight. And church, we have to believe that. He has a purpose for the battle that we're in. I told some of the elders, you know, they, they came to me several weeks ago, and they're like, hey, you know, you know, in the next few weeks, could you put together a, a sermon series? And I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And I'm like, I'm like so the first thing popped in my mind, I was like, okay, well, let me sit on that. Just prayed through a little bit. I'm like, what, God, what do you want me to share? And, and then I came to this king. I'm like, yeah, what does God want from me? Right? I was like, that sounds good. And so I started working through that, and like for two days straight, I felt like a madman because like I had all these different thoughts in the air, but I couldn't form a, a cohesive sentence. So it's kind of like, I'm like, oh, that's good, that's good, that's good. Okay, now put them together, and they just wouldn't mesh right. And then I start talking uh, to, to like guys like Pastor Brett and Pastor David and some of the others again, and, and we just keep seeing this theme of spiritual warfare keep popping up within the life of our church, and I'm like, that's it. And so the moment that I start processing through what spiritual warfare looks like, I mean, I already felt like kind of one of these, like the enemy that's kind of grabbing my shoulder. And you kind of feel it, and you're like, mm, there's something there, I'm just not quite sure. And when I'm like, all right, maybe that's God telling me like I'm not in the right direction. And so like, right when I switched to spiritual warfare, I felt it release, and I was like, oh, that's so nice. And then as I started working through spiritual warfare, I felt a giant fist just go boom right in the face. And I was like, man, there, there, there's truth to that. Like, the enemy doesn't want us to know these things. The enemy doesn't want us to be reminded by these things because the more that we're equipped to deal with these things, the better we're going to fight and battle against the schemes. And we need to know the Lord. Here's, the, here's what I actually love. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Look, look, look. And having done all. Having done all. 
all that we could do? No. Having done all, all that God has provided to us to battle well, yes. Put it on because having done all, we can stand firm, not on your own accord, but on the accord of God working through us and in us. Verse 14 through 17, I'm not going to read the whole thing here. Uh, too often when we talk about spiritual warfare, someone ends up, you know, kind of parsing out what the, the shield means and the helmet means. I'm not going to do that. If you guys want to do a word study, man, by all means, take this home and do a word study, right? But this, this isn't for that. Paul is talking about the actual articles, the articles that are of the spirit and not of man. I think that's important to know, right? Nothing that we can invent. They're given to us by, by God, the actual pieces that God provides to us in battle. These are pieces that are perfect in nature but must be refined in the believer. None of us, none of us have a perfect belt of truth and none of us have a perfect breastplate of righteousness unless it's in Christ. None of us has a perfect shield of faith. Right? I could go through all those things. No one has. They're perfect in nature but to be refined by us that God would work in us, that they would be refined through us and in us. And I really believe that this is the job of the church. I know you already kind of see the quote that I'm going at here. And it's easy to say we're putting on the armor, but when we fail to disciple others, we send them into war armorless and unarmed. If we know that these pieces are to be refined but we're not using the gifts that God has given us by being in relationship and caring for one another and discipling other people, guess what? If they're alongside us, if they're in your small group, and you are not discipling, and we're not discipling one another, and we are not being, Proverbs 27, 17, as, we are one, uh, as one man's, uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. If we miss that point, if we're not discipling other believers, men, if you're not discipling other men and women, if you're not discipling other women, we are failing in a way that God has called us to. Because this armor is perfect in nature, but to be refined by the church and by the people of the church. There's a reason why Paul says the older men to the younger men and the older women to the younger women to be trained up for righteousness I, I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I read too much and I probably watch too many movies for my own good. Um, but there's a miniseries called Band of Brothers. And everything I see as they're training is they're caring for one another. I, I, the church that I was at in Virginia, seven major military bases all within like 10 miles of each other. Those in the military don't talk about the single person, they talk about the unit. They talk about who they belong to and what they belong to, right? The the military just doesn't issue you a uniform and send you out, right? They train you. They instruct you. They challenge you. And so uh, watching things like Band of Brothers or anything like that, right, you see them all in the plane. And when they're about to jump, he says, stand up, equipment check. And the guy in the back checks the person in front of him and says, you're okay. And then The person in front of him taps them, you're okay, before him, you're okay. And they get the whole way down the line. Why? Because they don't want someone to jump out of the plane when they're not connected to the wire that's going to pull the parachute. And church, look, I love the church. I do so much, but some of us guys, we're we're okay sometimes with being in the plane, about to go to war together, but not checking the parachute line in front of us. And then when they jump out of the plane, they on the ground, and we're going, oh, I guess I should have checked that. Yeah. We fail to disciple others means that we fail to send people into the battle armorless and unarmed. And so we get to this place. How do we battle? So we, we know that the, the battle is the Lord's. We, know we, need, we, we, know, we need to know the enemy, but most importantly, we need to know to the, the, the Lord and how do we battle then? How do we do it, right? It's not enough sometimes just to say, like, this is what it is. Have a good day, right? How do we battle? Look at Paul, verse 18 through 20. 
praying all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with perseverance, making supplication for the saints and also for me that my words may be given to me and my opening uh, and opening my mouth boldly. If you have a Bible and you under, write it, underline that boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. So how do we battle? We pray and we proclaim. Everything Paul is saying builds to this place. So verse 10, going, finally, finally, now that we know these things, now it builds to this place. How do we battle? We pray and we proclaim. We pray on our knees and we proclaim the gospel. We call on God to do only what he can do. And this is a struggle because we as people are self-sufficient in our own minds. Well, if I my car needs gas, I take it to the, the gas station. And if I need to pay rent, I need to get a job in order to pay my bills. And so I have a job, so therefore I have money. I can pay my bills. Hey, I can even, even go out to eat, right? I can do these. We become self-sufficient. And the struggle here is that when we feel attacked, when the, when the devil weighs on our shoulders, a lot of times we fall more into sin than we do to battle it out with prayer. When we, when we feel attacked, we submit to the enemy so often because we just don't want to deal with it at that time. So what do we do? We numb ourselves or distract ourselves, and then we sit around and wonder, when is the darkness going to lift? God, I'm in, I'm in a spiritual battle here. I'm going to sit here on the couch, and I'm going to watch the office 14 times in a row. You just let me know when the war's over. I'll come out and hooray. I'm going to binge on Netflix for the next 15 days. Just let me know when it's over. And we don't pray and we we don't proclaim. It gets hard and so often we give up. And we can't. It gets hard in our lives and we say, I don't want to deal with this right now. Some of you guys, if you're, you know, sometimes some some of you and even me, sometimes like, like we, we avoid conflict like the plague And so if we see something brewing, we kind of remove ourselves from the situation. And so often we do that in our spiritual lives too. And then on the other side of that, too often we'll put on our armor, we'll have our armor on, right? But then we start cowering under the bed because we are under enemy fire. You know, we have a a friend back in Virginia who um, he was... did uh, military investigations, and he was attached to some special forces units when he was in Iraq, um, and, and often they would take, take fire. Well, one time, they were sitting in their trailer, essentially in the middle of nowhere, and uh, they had a mortar dropped on them. And what happened is that everybody freaked out. They threw their helmet on, they threw on their chest rig, they got their weapons, they got their rifles, and instead of running out, some of them cowered into the trailer. Well, the trailer was the target. So instead of fleeing out and, into, and spreading out into the, the, the confines of the camp and, and digging in, some of them stayed in there. Well, a mortar was dropped in there, and some of them were wounded in there. The ones that listened to the commander saying, get out, get out, get out, were fine. But the ones that didn't listen to the commander that, that cowered into this trailer ended up with shrapnel wounds. Thankfully, they didn't die. But so often, that's us. Like, we'll put on our battle gear, we'll get our helmets on, we'll do everything that we need to do, and then we're like, just short of actually going out and fighting the battle, we just stop. We get paralyzed. And it ends up hurting us in some way. When Paul says praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, we are asking to God to do the seemingly impossible, we are asking God to do only what he can do. When we pray, we stare down the face of the enemy in defiance. That's where we are. Paul was an ambassador in chains. Guess what, church? We are not. We have opportunity not only to find freedom in prayer, but proclamation of the gospel. We need to pray for others in their life and also share the gospel. And this is the quote, right? We fight in God's strength, in God's power, and in God's armor. We defeat the enemy by surrendering to a cross. 
And that's a bit backwards for us as humans. We find victory by surrender. Yeah. We're down on our knees, lifting high the name of Jesus, begging, asking, pleading with him to only do what he can do. And this is where we say this. If we've never experienced any type of warfare, I would ask, are you making yourself a target of the enemy? If we're like, I don't know who you're talking about, Andy. I've never experienced this. It's probably because you're not making yourself a target. Are you waging war against the enemy? Is he okay with you being on the sidelines? Is he leaving you alone because he knows that you're in Christ and he can't have you, but you're not making much of a stink for him to chase after you? And, and that's the, the truth of spiritual warfare. You know, many of us have taken Paul's letter to the Thessalonians out of context when it says, but I'm supposed to live quietly and peaceably. Yeah, but Paul's talking about brotherly love with one another there. He's not talking about advancing the gospel against hell. So yeah, live quietly, live peaceably. But you know what? In brotherly love, caring for one another, do those things. But when we wage war, we need to go, and we need to go firmly. I got to say this too. Right? I'm not talking about the people in this room, and myself included. I'm not talking about those who, who have a gospel opportunity, and they don't take it, and they feel terrible about it. That's okay. We all mess up. We're all human. We all get scared, and we all back down. Take the next one. I'm talking about those who have no desire to share the gospel, those who are okay just having Jesus for themselves and not living on the battlefield. I'm going to end with this. One of my favorite movies is, is Count of Monte Cristo, right? I would love believers to get into the mentality of Albert Mondego. And if you've seen the movie, you know what scene I'm talking about. If not, I'll kind of lay it out for you. How Baron and some friends go to Rome, and they're going to a party. And they're down in the cellar alley kind of deal, and they almost get kidnapped. And in that moment, as Albert is fighting his captors, he says a great line. And the line is shared later by a guy named Edmund Dantes. And Edmund is at Albert's birthday party. And he's given him a speech. And he says this, Life is a storm, my young friend. You will bask in the sunlight one moment, be shattered on the rocks the next. What makes you a man is what you do when the storm comes. You must look into the storm and shout as you did in Rome, do your worst, for I will do mine. That line is from one man to another. But in spiritual battle, imagine what would happen if believers would fight back with that same veracity. What would it look like? Knowing that we already have victory in the battle, knowing that the armor we have is from God, knowing that we fight in Christ's strength and in the power of his might. Imagine if we would take that mentality to the enemy and say, look, I'm going to be basking in the sunlight in one moment, shattered on the rocks in the next, but you know what? Do your worst, for I will do mine. Church, could you imagine what our church would look like? Could you imagine what this region would look like if us people, if God's people took that mentality to heart? How much more would the enemy flee if he knew it wouldn't be a fight he could win? Hmm. Even in the moments where it seems that the enemy has the upper hand in Christ. Will we do our worst? Will we fight back in the strength of Christ? So in the reality of the battle, the two best ways for believers to fight back is to pray in all supplication and to proclaim the gospel in boldness. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we love you. God, and as we have just walked through Paul's words here in Ephesians 6, God, I pray that you would just allow these things to wrestle into our hearts, God, that we would not leave here wondering 
if the battle is real, God, that we not leave here wondering what to do in the midst of the battle, God, but we would know that we have your strength. We have your armor, God. We have it together collectively, God, that we can pray and we can proclaim the truth of the gospel, and that's how we fight back against the enemy. God, something so simple but yet so profound is to call on the name of Jesus to proclaim these things. God, we love you. And God, for those who are in the midst of the battle now, God, I pray that you would bind the strong man from them, that you would allow them to fight back with your word and with your truth. Lord, we love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.